Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning. I heard Matthew do the run-through of announcements this morning, and I was like, you're ridiculous. Um, But they did a great job this morning. Well, good morning. Like they just said, my name is Trevor Hunman. I am the student and volunteer pastor here at Canton Church, and I love every opportunity that I get to come on a Sunday morning and not just do announcements and kind of host the service and stuff, but I love the chance that I get to come in this room on a Sunday morning and share my heart and what I've been learning and what God's been teaching me to you guys. Today, Pastor Jeremy, like they said, is in Baltimore, Maryland. He has spent all week, he and his wife, Corey, have spent all weekend at a church in Baltimore working with the pastor, working with the pastor's staff, working with some of their key volunteers, doing an on-site is what it's called. And what that means is he's gone up there and he is spending all weekend working with their staff to help them become a better church. I love being a part of a church here at Canton Church that sees a bigger vision for church than just this place. Sees that kind of what we refer to in church word of the capital C church, the big C church, the global church. I love being a part of a place that wants to invest in and to help make better the larger church, bigger picture church. And so he does, Pastor Jeremy does coaching with pastors from around the nation where he gets on a video call with them on a monthly basis and just helps them make their their systems and make their church and make them as men and as husbands and as dads and as pastors better. And he does an incredible job with that. And so he is on an on-site at one of the churches in his group in Baltimore, working with their pastor all week. And so he's there this morning observing what they're doing at their church on Sunday morning. And then what he does after that is he's going to go to lunch with them. I've been on the receiving end of this, and it's pretty tough, but he's going to go to lunch with them, and he's going to tell them, here are the 75 things that I see that you can improve on on what your church does on a Sunday morning. It won't be that bad. It's going to be, it's an incredible church that he's at an incredible pastor up in Baltimore, but he's gonna he's up there all weekend. So be in prayer for he and Miss Corey as they fly back home this evening, back to Atlanta to be back with their kids before their kids jump back into school tomorrow. But today we are concluding in a series that we've been in for four weeks now entitled Generations. We've been looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6, all month of August long. And today we will be concluding this week, one of this series. Pastor Jeremy started this series, and he started it by talking about family. And really the whole idea around week one was to roll out this new vision for Canton Church because generations matter. And it was an incredible sermon. It's been an incredible series. And I love the idea of because generations matter. I'm especially a little biased about it because I am the student pastor. So I work with younger generations all the time. And so I love a church that believes in being a generational church. I love the next generation. I love investing in and spending time with students. And so week one, he talked about the idea of family. Week two, he talked about freedom. 
in order to be someone who is setting up the next generation, in order to be someone that is living a life for God, we have to be living in freedom. We can't be struggling with addictions, and we can't be living under oppression from things that have our attention, that don't need our attention. And so week 22, he talked about freedom. And then last week, he did an unbelievable job. If you missed any of these, you can go to our website, and you can catch up on any of them by listening to our podcast channel. But last week he talked about the idea of being a renter versus being an owner. And when you come to Canton Church, we want you to be at Canton Church and be an owner of this place, to see this place as your church, to be a place that you want to invest your time and money and resources into because we believe that generations matter. And today we will be concluding this series. And we're going to be talking about legacy Today, we're going to be talking about what is coming, what is in the future, what does that look like. In all series, like I've already said, we've been in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want to read a couple of verses out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 to set us up for where we're going to be going today. So starting in verse 20, it's down towards the end of chapter 6. It says, In the future, when your sons ask you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, when we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But when he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on our oaths, to our ancestors. The reality is for every single one of these people of this generation that is crossing the river and they are able to go into the promised land, the reality is for every single one of them, they were not a part of the generation that was in captivity, that were slaves to Pharaoh and crossed over the Red Sea when God parted. Unbelievable story. But they weren't a part of that. It was a former generation, and if you remember, if you've studied, if you've read this, you know that none of the people that did that were able to cross into the promised land. It was a new generation. It was a new group of people, and what they're telling us here is, hey, whatever happens here, this is, don't forget to remind them of why this is happening, because we used to be in captivity. We used to be in the wilderness, and because of what someone else did, you're able to be in the promised land. Now, I've got to be honest. I've, I've read the story of Exodus. I've read the story of when they're in the wilderness. That generation, that group of people, for the most part, they get a pretty bad rap. Like when they were out in the wilderness, they doubted God a lot. They complained a lot. They started worshiping false gods at different times. They didn't do everything right. And so they kind of get a bad rap. Like it's this group of people that did a bunch of wrong things. And because of that, none of them are able to go into the promised land. But what if we kind of looked at it differently? Now, granted, they still did wrong things. They still did things they shouldn't have done. But what if we look at their story a little differently? And what if rather than just saying they messed up here, they didn't do this right, they didn't do that right, what if we thought about them of saying they were a generation that still woke up every single day and said, I'm still going to continue to follow this cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night, and I'm going to keep wandering around this wilderness for 40 years so that the future generations of my family can be in the, in the promised land. I'm never going to get there And I'm tired of walking around. And God, I know you've heard me complain for 40 years, but I'm going to keep doing this so that my children can go to the promised land. 
I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to wander around the desert for 40 years, not for me, but so that my grandkids and my neighbor's grandkids, because they put their tent up right next to my tent, I'm going to do it so that their grandkids can live in the promised land. It's legacy. It's a group of people that got up every day, and I can't imagine wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. That had to have been miserably boring. But they did it every single day, not so that they could get into the promised land, but so that their future generations, so that their children's children and their children's children's children can live in this place that God has promised to his people. It's about legacy. It's about doing things now for people to come. It's about doing things now so that other people can reap the benefits of it. There's a story found in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and it starts out talking about a woman named Hannah. Hannah was a woman who was married to her husband, and she wanted to have a son, but she couldn't bear children. And she was so upset about this, and she really wanted to be able to have a son. So she went, and she prayed to God, and she said, God, if you would just allow me to have a child, I'll give him back to you. I promise. God, if, you can just, if you'll just give me a son, if you'll allow me to have a son, I promise I will give him back to you, and he will spend the rest of his life serving you. And so if we read the story, if we know this story, we know that God came through on this. God allowed her and her husband to have a son. And so she had this son, and she raised him until he was of the age that he didn't have to live with her any longer. And she took him to the priest, and the priest at that time's name was Eli. And she took him to Eli and said, Eli, I don't remember if you, re- I don't know if you remember me, but I was the woman back there that prayed and was begging God for something And this is the something I was begging God for. This is my son. This is my son, Samuel. She said, what I told God is if God would allow me to have a child, that I would give this child back to God to serve God for the remainder of their life. And Eli, I am bringing you Samuel for him to live with you, to learn all that he can learn about God and to serve God for his entire life. So if we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we can see in this story that this is kind of the beginnings of Samuel living with Eli. In verse 1 of this chapter, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. There are some of you that have come and sat in your usual place and your eyes are getting heavy because you stayed up too late watching a boxing match last night. I know who you are. I watched and followed you on social media. Number three says, the lamp of God has not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and Samuel answered, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lied down. And again, in verse 6, said again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I want to stop here really quick. 
We're going to continue reading through the end of verse 10. But when I read this the other day as I was preparing, this stuck out to me so much. Now, i got to be honest with you. When I'm asleep at night, now I know I'm the only one who does this. I know you never do this. But when I'm asleep at night and something wakes me or someone named Lauren wakes me up, I'm really mean when I wake up in the middle of the night. Like, I don't like to be awake when I want to be asleep. I'm confused. I don't know why I'm awake. I'm like, I'd rather be asleep. Why are you talking to me? Why am I awake right now? I'm kind of mean and confused and a little delirious when I wake up in the middle of the night. And when I've read this the other day, I've read this story before, but when I read this the other day, it really stuck out to me the patience that Eli had for Samuel. Here's a situation where he's asleep at night and this kid keeps coming in and waking him up and saying, hey, I'm right here. You called me. He's like, no, I didn't. Go back to bed. Hey, you called me. No, I didn't. Go back to bed. Hey, you called me. No, I didn't. Go back to bed. And if you come back in here again, you're going to be in trouble. Lock my door on your way out and leave me alone. That's what we do there, right? No, just me. Just me. I'm the only one who doesn't like to be woke up. That's fine. It's fine. But he had so much patience here for Samuel. He had so much love. He never got short with him. He never got frustrated with him. He's like, hey, go back to bed. I didn't call you. And I think so many times we're going to continue reading this story. And if you already know the story, you know what's coming. But I think so many times in our lives, maybe God's trying to use us to allow him to talk to somebody else. And they just need a little bit of help from us. And we get so impatient And we get so frustrated that we miss what God's trying to use us to do because we're being impatient with someone else. And what if God is trying to use waking someone up in the middle of the night as an opportunity to be used by God? And we're so angry that it happened and we're so impatient with the person that we miss it. If we continue reading... In verse 8, that's not at all what Eli did. In verse 8, it says, Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as he had the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is is listening. Now, when this took place, Samuel wasn't at home. He wasn't with his mom and dad, and he was running into their room. He was with someone else at a different place. It wasn't a family member that helped him see God. It was someone outside of his family. And church, what I want us to spend our time focusing on for the remainder of our time together today is that I fully believe, and this is going to be up on the screen, I fully believe that if you will look around, someone is looking for God, and maybe God wants to use you to help them find Him. I believe, I'm going to read that one more time, I believe if you will look around, someone is looking for God, and maybe God wants to use you to help them find him. When we put this series together a couple of months ago, and we were talking about who was speaking which weeks, and Pastor Jeremy already knew 
he was going to be out of town this week. And then we were laying out what the topic is for each Sunday of this series. When they told me and when we talked about the idea that I would be speaking on legacy, I kind of laughed a little bit. I was like the one guy who speaks from this stage in a pastoral role of sharing the message that Sunday that doesn't have kids on staff is the one that we're having talking about legacy. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like someone who has that already on their mind needs to be the one that talks that Sunday. But as I've studied this and as I've prepared for today, I've really started to realize that legacy is so much more than how much money you're going to leave for your kids someday. Legacy is so much more than the impact that you're going to have on your future grandkids. I realize that legacy is so much more than just what happened within the confines of your blood relatives. It's much bigger than that. Legacy is so much larger than just our family. And don't get me wrong, Family's important. All of those things that I just listed, setting your family up for future success is important. Having a relationship with Jesus and then passing that on to your children is one of the most important things that you as a parent can do. I'm not saying that family legacy is not important. It's very important. But what I also believe today for all of us is that legacy outside of just our family is also important. I believe that every single one of us has the opportunity to have an impact on someone else's life. You see, right now, there are volunteers that are serving throughout this building. Every Sunday morning, we have anywhere from 75 to 90 volunteers serving in some capacity at Canton Church. You see people up here leading worship, and they're doing a phenomenal job every single Sunday of, of carrying us into the presence of God through worship. There's three guys sitting back there in that booth that are setting the stage, that are putting words on screen, that are allowing this microphone to work, that are turning these really bright, hot lights on in my face so that you can see me. There are people in parking lots putting signs out. There are people at information centers helping you find where you need to go. There's people that make really good coffee. But there's four rooms back there that unless you have a kid under the grade of sixth grade that you may not know exist. There's four rooms back there. There's a, there's a baby room. There's an infant room. There's like a pre-K kindergarten room. And then there's a grade school room. And right now, this very minute, there are people in a room with some infants that, yeah, they're changing diapers. Thank God I'm not doing that. <laughs> not ready for that stage of life. There's people changing diapers. They're feeding babies. But you know what else they're doing? They're praying over them. They're creating a safe place for that kid to be so that you can sit in here and that you can get fed so that you can go home and you can continue to love on them. But they're in a safe place. They're in a place with people that are on the floor playing with them. They're making them laugh. There's a room with some two and three-year-olds, and I'm probably getting these ages wrong. I'm sorry, Matt. There's a room with some two and three-year-olds in it. 
that has volunteers that are on the floor playing with them, that they're going to get in the car on Sundays, and at that age, they're hearing stories of a guy who lived in the belly of a fish, and it's blowing their mind, and they're hearing stories of a man walking on water, and they're hearing stories of Jesus raising a guy from the dead, and they're hearing stories of David killing Goliath, and it's so cool, and it's so amazing, and they're three years old, and it's the most incredible thing they've ever heard because there's volunteers that are investing their time and their love and their care into kids. There's a room with some four and five-year-olds in it. But there's some volunteers that are teaching them that Jesus loves them. And then those kids are going home and having conversations with moms and with dads. And they heard something at church this morning from a volunteer that says, that, I, that Jesus loves me and that I can have a relationship with him. And mom, I want that relationship. Dad, I want that relationship. And they've heard that Jesus loves them and he died for them because they sin and they're learning what all of this is in such an impressionable age. Because there's volunteers that see an opportunity to invest in someone else. There's the fourth room. There's some grade schoolers some kids first through fifth grade, that they're learning what it means to pray. They're learning how. They're learning what it means to worship God and how. Some of them lead worship. They're not that great at it, but I love their heart. But there's some volunteers in there that see potential. And some kids say, I want to help them know Jesus. On Wednesday night, this room has middle schoolers and high schoolers come into it and have the, the true honor to stand on this stage many Wednesday nights and talk to these students. This past week, Pastor Matt, our children's pastor, came and did an incredible job talking to them about temptation. But there's middle schoolers and high schoolers that come in, and there's a group of leaders, a group of student volunteers that come in because they see potential and some crazy middle school boys and some, some confusion that takes place when you're 13 years old and when you're 16 years old and some things that you're going through when you're 17 years old, that there's leaders that say, I believe in these students. And I want to pour into them because there were some things that I went through when I was 15 that I really think I can help somebody who's now 15. So they come and they give of their time and they sit in small groups on Wednesday nights with these students and pray with them and encourage them and hear their heart and hear their problems and are a safe place to talk to. And I don't tell you all of this because I'm pushing for people to volunteer this morning. That's not what it's about. But there's a group of people that they have decided to look around to find someone looking for God and maybe have the chance to help them along the way. And church, I believe that if you will look around, someone is looking for God, and maybe God wants to use you to help them find him. See, in this, in this room, I believe that there is incredible wisdom from people. I believe that God has gifted you with things that you can pour into others, and I believe that this room also has people searching for wisdom. I believe there are Samuels in this room. 
I believe there are people that God is crying out to and God is calling out to and he's been trying to get your attention and it is so confusing to you. You don't know what it is. You don't know what to do with it. And you're searching for answers. And you keep hearing your name called and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. But I also believe there's Eli's in this room. I believe there are people in this room that God wants to use talk to a Samuel to say, hey, maybe God is the one calling your name, and maybe you just need to say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I believe there's Samuels here that God's trying to get your attention. But I fully believe that there are Eli's in this room that God is wanting to use to help others find him. It's legacy. It's your opportunity to pass on what God has done in your heart to others. It's legacy. It's what God has taught you that you have the opportunity to teach others. Hey, I've been there. I've walked that road. I've experienced what you're experiencing. Let me help you seek God. It's legacy. Today, we're, before we close... We're going to put this into practice, and some of you just got a little sweaty when I said that. But in just a moment, I'm going to have the media team put a clock up on the screen. It's going to be four minutes. I chose four minutes because three seems really short and five seems like an eternity. So we're going to do a four-minute clock, and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to find one or two people sitting around you. It can be a spouse. If there's three people and you can't meet anyone else, that's fine. You can do three people. But one or two people... And I want, guys, throw these questions up. And here's what I want you to ask each other. And what, here's what I want you to answer together. How can I be an Eli? Maybe there's some things in your heart that you feel like a Samuel. And maybe you just say, God, I've got I've to get through this before I can be an Eli. Maybe like we talked about when we were reading the verses, maybe you've been really impatient. And maybe there are people that God has put in your life that you haven't been giving the patience to listen to. And so maybe you just talk with that person and say, I just need to be a more patient person. Maybe I need to spend time getting closer to God. Or what is it for you? How can you be an ally? And the second one is who can I invest time and prayer into? Who's the person in your life that you can be an Eli to? Maybe there's someone on your job. They're going through some stuff right now. Maybe there's someone in your small group that you've already met or maybe you're going to meet in the next couple of months when you register to join a small group. You can go to that life group and you can connect with them. And they're going through some stuff and you can speak into their lives. But who can you be an Eli to? Who can you invest time and prayer into? And here's what I want to do. I want to just spend the next four minutes, just find one or two other people and just talk to them about these two questions and then just talk to them about what God might be doing in your heart, what God might be speaking into you. And maybe God takes this moment and connects a Samuel to an Eli. Because here's what I believe about being an Eli. I don't believe being an Eli has to start at a certain age. I believe you can be 12 and be an Eli. I believe God can use a sixth grader to speak into the life of someone. I believe God can use a 25-year-old to speak life into someone, a 45-year-old, a 65-year-old to speak life into someone. But I also believe that they can be 15, 25 45, 65-year-old Samuels. So take this moment, find someone, turn, talk to them about these two questions, and then I'll come back to close 
in just a minute.
All right, some great conversation happening that I hope continues after service. Um, when I was in high school, I grew up going to church. I was a church kid. I grew up going to my youth group. I didn't hardly miss unless I was sick. I loved it. I loved my youth pastors, all of them that I had. I loved connecting to them. But I got to be honest, I really loved my youth leaders. Like, I loved my youth pastors. Don't get me wrong. Like, Pastor Jeremy was one of them. He was good. I loved him. But I really, really, really loved my youth leaders. They were awesome. On Wednesday nights, I told you, we have a group of leaders that come and invest in students. And they're amazing. We wouldn't do what we do on Wednesday. We wouldn't connect to the students that we connect to on Wednesday if it were not for the investment that these leaders give into these students. They're amazing. When I was in, when I was in high school, I had a youth leader. His name, was, his name was Dan Wright. Show that first picture, guys. The guy in the middle is high school Trevor, baby face and all. But the old guy sitting in the chair, his name was Dan Wright. Dan was in his 60s, and, and Miss Debbie and Dan, if you ever listen to the podcast of this, know I love you guys, but Dan was a little crazy. Dan was, Dan was more than a little. Dan was a lot crazy. Dan had fought in Vietnam. He was a vet, and Dan loved high schoolers. He loved us. On Wednesday nights, he was my small group leader. And about once a month, he and Miss Debbie would text a bunch of people and just say, hey, we're cooking dinner Friday night. Be here at 6 o'clock. And we'd show up because it was free food. <laughs> but we loved Dan and Debbie because Dan loved us. He'd be right in the middle of everything with the show. This next picture. At high school summer camp, <laughs> there'd be about 100 students that would go with us every year. And we'd go and we'd have a blast and it was so much fun. And Dan would always go and he'd be my cabin leader. Poor Dan, we did mean things to him, but he just loved us. And we, we did this thing in the pool where there'd be like 10 of us and we'd like people would come to us and we'd get them and we'd one, two, three, and we'd throw them. And most of the time it'd be like small kids or things like that because we'd throw them really far. And then we'd try to find like the biggest guy and see if we could throw him. And like it was just fun, like students being students. That's Dan. Dan wanted to be thrown. And so we got white-headed, balding, in a ponytail. Dan picked him up and threw him across this pool because he wanted to be involved. He wanted to be there with us. I wanted to invest in to show this last picture. My senior year, if you grew up going to church camp, you get this, but when you go every year to camp, after your senior year's camp is ending, it's a little bittersweet because you never get to go back as a student and experience it again. I think a little bit of why I became a youth pastor is so that I can still get to go to camp every year because I love it. But this is my senior year with me and some of my best friends to this day in the world. And then here on the right, in the cowboy straw hat, is at the time what we always referred to and called him as Lieutenant Dan. Right there with us, 
investing his time, praying for us, feeding us way more than he should have. There's no telling how much money he and Miss Debbie spent on feeding all of us. When I was in high school, me and a group of my friends, we just started something just to be funny where we just called it Suit Sunday where every once a month on a Sunday morning, we would dress to the nines at church. Like the rest of the time, like this would have been dressed up for me, but we'd wear a full suit. Like we would go all out just because we were just crazy high school guys. The second Sunday we did it, because he didn't know the first one, but the second Sunday we did it, who shows up in a suit? It's Dan. He wanted to be right there with us, investing. I've got great parents, and I've got great grandparents. I've got friends and family. I've got amazing family with a heritage of faith. But I also stand here on this stage on the shoulders of people like Dan their legacy carries on because he loves students so much poured over into me and I love middle schoolers and I love high schoolers because I have leaders like Dan who gave up so much time to just be there to be ears to laugh with us to cry with us to pray with us my question to you today, church, is who's your Samuel? Who are you finding time to pour into? Who are you praying for? Who are you investing in? If you're sitting here and you're so brokenhearted today and you're so confused and you feel so lonely, then my challenge to you would be to start praying for an Eli. Praying for somebody that God will bring into your life that can be there to cry with you, to be there to pray with you, to be there and encourage you. Because I promise you, if you start praying for it and you start searching for it and you join a life group and you start doing things and you start jumping into a church, God's going to bring you an Eli. He doesn't want us to live this life alone. But church, if you will look around Someone is looking for God. And maybe God wants to use you to help them find Him. God, I thank you for stories like this in Scripture to teach us that legacy is so big. God, I pray for the Samuels in this room. God, I pray that you will bring them Eli's. I pray that you will bring people in their lives that can help them find clarity, that can help them find direction, that can be there to pray with them and support them and encourage them and lift them up. And God, I pray for every one of us that we would be Eli's. That God, maybe it is by serving at Canton Church, but God, that we would find ways to pour into and invest into other people. That we would find opportunities in our life groups to connect to people, to pour into their lives, to pray with them, to encourage them, to tell people when they don't know who's calling their name, to say, go back 
to your bed and lay down and when you hear your name again say here I am Lord speak help us to help others find you God with all of our heart we thank you in your name I pray Amen Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.